Business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 11 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we're talking about everything digital, everything innovative, everything different. If you've got a business and you need some change, you need some innovation, you've got product that is maybe stale, you've got stuff online that's not moving, you're not quite sure how to do it, you've got an hour or a little bit less, about 49 minutes to speak to the experts in the market as to how to reinvigorate the brand that you already have, redesign the brand, remarket, come up with different ideas, because that's what it's all about. So in studio with me today is none other than Templar Wales, who's a partner at a company called DYDX Digital. Templar, welcome to Chai FM. Thanks very much, and thank you for having us on. It's the greatest of pleasure. Sorry about that. I just got a real bad feedback in my headphones here, so we'll just continue without them. Let's start at the very beginning. Your name is different, so we'll maybe discuss it a little bit later. But DYDX or DY over DX, let's understand why you named the company that, what that sort of symbolizes, and therefore I think that sort of will encompass everything to do with your company. Uh, it will. Look, it, it, it is a bit of a geeky name. It's a, a name that mostly people don't understand until we explain it to them. Uh, but very often that's, that's good in a name. People don't have a preconceived idea of what it means. You know, Nike, Coke, Apple... Um, you know, it doesn't say what it is and therefore it doesn't limit you to doing one thing. Right. So the, the partnership was called And Innovation, um, which does kind of box it. And everybody is doing innovation these days. Uh, innovation has become a bit of a, a catch-all for you know, anything new. Um, so we wanted to move away from that. We do do innovation. We do help people with change. Um, but, yeah, the, the choice of moving to DYDX is uh, a calculation dy over dx is delta y over delta x so it's the change in y change in x right uh, which gives you um, a calculation for for tracking change okay right. so so we kind of we, we kind of worked through what it, what is it that we do um, and we really we help businesses uh, to change from where they are perhaps broadening their their product uh, offering broadening the services um, you know, what we do is service design, but it's very often service redesign. Those services already exist, and we go in and help to change and, and transform those services. So, so the change, um, the, 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 the measurable change is what we do, and, and generally we work a lot quicker than, than they would be able to work by themselves. So it is the rate of change. We thought that was kind of perfect for what we do. Well, that's exactly the name sort of describes exactly what you guys do. So is it in, in a way, um, the, one of the biggest problems that a business has is to use the cliche term is you're too close to the coalface or you can't see the wood for the trees. Is that you're involved, you get in, the, you, you wake up in the morning, you go to gym, you have your cup of coffee, you get to the office and your mind is just brimming over with innovation, excuse the pun, yeah. with wonderful ideas and change and then that first phone call comes in from that irate client or from that vehicle that broke down and all of a sudden you're putting out fires and innovation just and creativity just disappears. And two years later, you turn around and say, well, I really wanted to do that, but I was so busy keeping things on track that I didn't get a chance. Whereas if I know that I'm meeting Template at 11 o'clock today, and he's going to come, and I'm just going to close the door and listen to his 
wonderful ideas that he's been able to come up with. And I've dealt with all the fires until 11, but from 11 to 12, it's just a time to sit and get fresh ideas and either say yes or no or tweak. Have I got, have I got an idea of what you guys do? Um, thanks for expressing it that way, because that is not what we do. Um, right, we, okay. We don't, we don't come up with ideas. We do. Um, but what we do is we create a framework. Okay. And we, we have to collaborate both with our customers and with their customers. You know, so if it was just us coming up with ideas, um, that would be very much like what a lot of agencies do. Right. Um, but that is not, not how service design or design thinking or human-centered design works because nine times out of ten, we are not the customer. So how would we know what the solution is, right? So we've got to, we've got to start with their customer. And very often that means fighting with, with our client because they have a, a way that they want to work. It's a, it's a discovery process. We have to find out who are their customers, who are their future customers, how do they think, how do they work, you know, and it's a think, feel, do. How do they feel when they're interacting with each of the touch points? What are they doing and what are they thinking? You know, because then we can really get down to what is their experience of that product or service. Um, and then we can guide our clients. And then, then we do a lot of research and then we do immersion sessions and we create a space where ourselves, perhaps industry experts and our customers, um, can work together at what those solutions are. Do you find that is, that there's, um, pushback from your clients sometimes because you're highlighting issues that they might be aware of, but they don't really want to recognize that that's the problem. You know, often when you watch these these uh, business shows uh, in like an undercover boss or things like that, the guy will go undercover and he'll come back and he'll say, I know you guys have been talking about this for years, but I actually never realized that the ice cream cone goes soggy after three minutes. And I couldn't understand why sales in the middle of summer weren't. And it's exactly that. You coming back and saying, yeah, but they've been telling you and it's true and here's the results. Now let's get to come up with a solution. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes what customers, don't, what our clients don't realize is their customers modify their product, right? So, so you go in and you, you look at how people are using a product and there's often, you know, life hacks. So people are often doing life hacks to the product in order to make it suit them. You know, they might think they're the only person that does it. Oh, I'm different. You know, this doesn't really work for me. So I kind of break this piece off, you know, and then it's great. Um, you know, so when we're looking for solutions, sometimes the, the customers are already making these solutions, you know, so, so it might mean taking a product and, and making a version two of it, you know, or making a customizable version of that product. You know, it, it just resonates with me. Just before we quickly go to the break, there was a famous story with um, Starbucks and the Freezer Chino where a particular store manager came to the CEO on a, one of his tours and said, I want you to do this. And he said, we can't do it. It's 90% ice. We do coffee. It's not... And she bugged him so much to the point that he gave her permission to do it, but only in her store. And today is one of their biggest sellers. And simply because she said, this is what people are wanting, this people are asking. And he turned around and said, well, I didn't think we were giving quality. But quality doesn't always mean ingredient. Quality means that this is filling the need of the client. A cold, icy, delicious drink. Yes, for us it's cheap because it's 90% ice. But it's a 10% that makes a difference. But that's something that you guys would raise and say, 
it's there. It's available, and this is how we're going to roll it out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Temple, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, maybe let's look at one example that you guys have done recently where, that you're quite proud of that has been innovative or been different, and often you'll find that people have been using it but didn't know that you were the brainchild behind it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 21 minutes past 12, and I often wish we could record the chats between the sessions, the advert chats as we call them, because that's where the real juicy bits come in. Um, Temper, your company DYDX, as you said, comes in and sort of helps people to find that which they need by working together with them and to going out and collecting data and coming back. You've got a very interesting case that you did with small businesses here in South Africa. And one thing that people often find is when you drive through a rural area or a small area, I think to myself, there are thousands and thousands of people here. Yes, they're not wealthy people, but they're spending money. There's money to be made here. There's an economy here. It might not be Santon, but there's definitely money to be made. And I remember many, many years ago, someone said to me that they um, got a a T-shirt contract. Before, it was popular for the ANC to have a T-shirt every week. And they were making one rand per T-shirt, and they made a million rand T-shirts. Million, a million t-shirts and I thought well you know, all of a sudden one rand's a small amount of money but the volume makes it up how have you guys worked in that lower income market um, thank you yeah, that's, a, that's a great question uh, we've, we've recently done a project with Smolland uh, which is a South African company that they started in 1930 1931 right. uh, fantastic business partly owned by WPP now uh, so they touch on the kind of advertising world um, but they very, very much work at the coal face of retail. Um, so, so they posed a beautiful question to us because it was quite open. They wanted to uh, create a new service for their customers, uh, who, are the, who are typically Unilever, Tiger Brands, those sort of okay, uh, so the, the blue chip listed companies. Yeah. And and what they wanted is to provide a service which took a product and turned it into a service, which means. Uh, instead of selling bread, you'd be selling sandwiches at lunchtime. Instead of selling soap, you'd be you'd be selling a a, a car wash, for example, or, or soap powder. You'd create a laundry service. So, <clears throat> for one, they wanted to create a service um, based on product, which helps you to sell more product, right? Because you're creating a channel for yourself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it had to have a positive social impact, right? and thirdly. Part of that social impact was, you know, to create jobs, to create entrepreneurship. Um, and then there were some parameters that we worked within. So it had to address the target market between uh, 5,000 and 15,000 random uh, income. And so, yeah, it was a very open brief. Uh, but that's quite a modest market. Yes, yeah. So, so what we looked at is um, a lot of their research. We got access to some of their customer research, some academic research, uh, which is all desk research. And then we went into uh, townships. So we went into Langa. We went into Timbisa up here in, in Gauteng. And we looked at, you know, what did people need? What did they, uh, wh- what were their troubles in their life, right? Apart from financial challenges, which everybody has at some level, right? Um, and and everybody you know has has time 
well, I can hear myself better in my in my, in my own <laughs> headphones here. And uh, so everybody has time constraints. You know, top CEOs, one of their biggest gripes is time sensitive. But right. but everybody from you know from the ground up uh, has some kind of time sensitivity. You know, because you've got to go get up really early. You've got to get your kids ready for school. You've got to catch two taxis. You know, and you need to be at work at seven thirty, eight o'clock. So so you know, time sensitivity. Um, a lot of single mothers, you know, so 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 that was really the the canvas that we started to to paint, and um, we came up with a lot of ideas. What we also did was we brought in about thirty five uh, young people from Langa, and we did a, a hackathon with them to see what their challenges are, what their ideas are. So so we weren't looking for them to solve our problem; we were looking for them to give us more insights. So on top of the research that we had already done. We got them to come in and say, you know, I'm, I'm worried about security. I'm worried about uh, health. I'm worried about, you know, the cleanliness of, of our environment. And, and one of the key things in service design is empathy. Right. So it really helps us to, to get a, a lens on, um, you know, the, the real experience of their lives. And, and we came up with some, and they came up with some great ideas, you know, um, and and this is also the, the part of the beauty of our of our process is that you come up with these gems of ideas that you fall in love with and and they don't pan out you know they're not viable they're not financially viable or you do testing and and actually the customer is not going to go for it so you so you you have these things that everybody gets excited about including our clients and then you have to sacrifice them and go yeah pay toilets great idea solves a great uh, great you know, um, problem, but it's not going to work for this market that we're we're aiming at. And, and that's what that hackathon that you use is a new term for me. Thank you for introducing yeah. me to it. Is is absolutely crucial because what it does is it gives you a direct lens into the community. And as you said, empathy is what it's all about. It's not you forcing a service on the people. It's rather really understanding what the needs are and then feeding it back. Yeah. Is there sometimes a disconnect where? You think the community needs X. They actually need Y, but the company can't supply Y. Yeah. So so it's always about starting with what you have, right? Right. So, so we could come up with an idea, but Smolin or Unilever or, or one of their customers don't have what's needed to, to, so, okay. to solve it. So then you look at do we, do we create other partnerships? So that's one of the stages is, you know, mapping out a business canvas and and what skills do you have what resources do you have and what possible new partnerships do you need to explore fair enough yeah. okay so what did this whole experience give you with the Swollen yeah with the Swollen research where did you end up with this one I, I just want to add to that sure. quickly um, if you don't mind um, it's, it's just something I've always regardless of whether you're talking to a designer you know creative director or a, or a client is don't be limited by your own ability you know if you have ideas or you have you have something which you think is a good solution, don't box it by what you can do, right? Because you can create those partnerships. If there's value that you're going to create, then there should be value for everybody that's involved. There's a wonderful expression, and if you can help someone else, that person benefits and you don't lose. It's almost like if you're holding a lit candle and they've got a candle that's not lit, by lighting their candle, you've now got two lit candles and nothing happens to yours. So by creating the right partnerships, you just add another synergy to your business so long as no one plagiarizes yeah. it, yeah. and then you you've got another f- you know another bow in your quiver, so to speak. Yeah, 
Okay, great. And 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 that that thing of stealing ideas, um, you know, you learn quite quickly that ideas are worth almost nothing. They, the idea is easy. You know, very often we all sign NDAs with people that we talk to, but the implementation is usually the hardest part. So I can give you the ideas, right? You can be halfway down down the line of developing something, and because it is geared around that client and their partnerships. It's very, very hard for anybody else to come into that market generally. I mean, there are, there, of course, there are, there are plenty of cases where there's plagiarism and there's the people that get to market quicker. Um, but in general, implementation is the hardest part. So you can come up with ideas, you can come up with a solution, the process and everything else, but getting it to market is probably 90% of the work. You know, I'm, I'm smiling because I was, I'm just um, almost finished reading Elon Musk's book. It's been lying on my shelf for a long time. I just took yeah. it out and I started reading it. The, besides the guy just being, just being a, a sort of operating on a different level to the average human being. You know, in the very beginning, he, a lot of the stuff he did wasn't totally maverick, wasn't totally innovative. It was around, it was around and it was existing. He just had a way of doing it better, doing it cheaper and never accepting no as an answer sort of thing. And the SpaceX, when it started, I mean, the, the, America was littered with disasters, with, with failures. And all he did is use their infrastructure to launch his SpaceX. Um, and really that's exactly in, in a way what you're saying is that it's about doing it, but doing it in a way. So ideas are, are great, but how am I going to take that from an idea to an actuality is really what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, think, think about the, the complexity of mobility, complexity of just a car. Uh, we're hundreds of years in it, of moving around on wheels. And the idea of a car is really easy for wheels and a base. But the amount of complexity in making it better every year and making it affordable and, you know, a product that people are going to be prepared to uh, give out their money for, you know, that that is and that is part of the, the process. Is and a product that they're going to trust. Correct. You know, you spoke about quality just now. And and so often quality is the enemy of of completion, you know, because you want something to be perfect, you want something to be good quality before you show it to anybody, and in th- in that time you're losing the experience of working with your customers, right? Get it out, MVP, minimal viable product. You know, you get it in front of people, show it to them, let them give you feedback, let them tell you what's wrong with it, and again, you, it's vulnerability, right? You don't you you bringing those people in. Your customers that you value and you, 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 you want to have this beautiful brand that you've created, you're bringing them in and you're showing them draft stuff, often on paper, often built out of cardboard. And you're showing it to them saying, hey, we're thinking about this. And they go, oh, this is terrible. They're not going to think less of your brand. They're actually going to think amazing that my, my um, brand, my, my bank that I, that I bank with is thinking like this. Amazing that they, they're inviting me into it. So, you're actually creating a better relationship with them. They will see you as innovative, even though you're showing them something which is a bit sketchy. It's so true, and I can't remember the name of the bank, but one of the banks um, launched something very innovative, and they spoke about to the guy behind it, and the interview for me was very, very interesting because they said to the guy, how well planned and prepared were you when you presented this to the board? He said, we like to be about 60% prepared. I said, 60 how can you go to the board with, with two-thirds ready? He says, because if I go with 95% ready, I've got no flexibility. Yeah. 
I've got to go with an idea that I'm confident with and there's enough of a structure to show something. But I've got to be pliable enough that when the feedback comes, I can adjust and I can change. And also recently the book was launched by the, Na- the U.S. Navy SEALs of management. Um, they changed the whole way of thinking. They said you never plan a mission down to the last detail with every single detail in place. Because if you do, the moment a guy puts his boot down left instead of right, he doesn't know what to do anymore. Because it was planned. So if you tell him, put your boots on any way you want, but walk in that direction and get there by that time, all of a sudden he can use his own initiative as to how to do it and what makes him more comfortable. So all those things mm. come into play as to what you're saying. Yeah. But right, let's get back to Swan. So now you've, you've laid the, the idea, you've presented it to me, so to speak. What did you guys actually do once you got feedback from the market? So, so the solution that we ended up um, going for, the idea that we, we ended up uh, testing and going for, was, I think what was beautiful about it was it solved three different problems for the three different parties involved. So, uh, you know, your man on your st- on the street is, you know, he's he's buying a product um, at a certain time of the week or the certain time of the month. He can't afford to buy everything that he needs, right? So if the smallest pack of rice is 500 grams, that's that's his only option, right? And and that costs 17 rand generally in, in a sponsor shop. So if you've got 20 rand at the end of the month, you, you're going to go, okay, cool, I'm going to buy rice. It's more rice than I need. Like, I only need a cup of rice, and which is, you know, just under half of that. But I need to spend most of my 20 rand. Um, he's not thinking about the, the, the single-use plastic that that's in, right? So you take a, a five-kilo, two-kilo bag of rice, as you go smaller and smaller, you, you're using up more plastic um, to create those smaller packs. So you end up with a bigger volume. And, you know, so you're going to have four four bags out there instead of one Correct. bigger bag. Um, and so so the solution for, for the end user was the freedom to buy all of the things that they need. So just buy two rands worth of rice and buy two rands worth of, of dish liquid and some salt and some sugar and a bit of cooking oil. You know, so for my 20 rand now, I can actually buy all of those things and I'll probably have a little bit left so I can buy, you know, a sweet for my kid. Um, whereas I would have just had rice and uh, three rand left. So, so for them, there was a, there was a really kind of useful solution there, which wasn't dependent on them caring about the environment, right? You, you look at these areas, um, where they're not properly serviced. Right, and there's a whole lot of history and politics and, and stuff around there. But the bottom line is that today they're not serviced. They're not serviced properly. So you see mountains, literally mountains of, of plastic on the side of the roads, on the street corners, and, and that's what ends up in the rivers and washes down and ends up in the, uh, you know, in the sea. And it's and it's of no it's no fault of that community, and and that community is not proud of it. That community feels as frustrated as as a person driving past, thinking that that's disrespectful. You know, they're not doing that um, on purpose. So, but but if you ask them to pay more to reduce plastic, then they're not going to do that. Right? You've got a middle class um, segment who will pay extra to be able to have recycled packaging or no packaging or, you know, organic. Or, all of these things are really luxury um, choices. So they don't have those choices. They're buying for their kids. They're, they're, they're scraping by. And so we needed a solution that was viable for them, for the brands, 
it allows the brand to get rid of plastic. And, that, and that's a, it's a huge topic at the moment for most brands is how do they reduce their footprint? Yeah. How do they take responsibility? Yes, they're not tracking it in the street or the rivers, but it's their product. Without yeah. also diluting their brand identity. Yeah. Because if there's no branding, how am I going to know that what, what the four different races are? And I want tax-tastic because that's what I've had for the last e- forever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, you remove the packaging, and the concern is, but now you're removing the brand experience. So we had to come up with something which itself was branded and probably more visible and more, more of a brand statement than a bag of packs sitting on the floor. Um, but also it allows them to talk about what they're doing. So they, they can express, you know, that they are part of the change, they're doing something positive, um, you know, so that they're part of the solution. So it's, it's also part of a, a positive brand story for them. So it enhances their brand, you know, that, they, that they're involved in the solution. Okay, so that's from the consumer. And then how did you guys, so what was the solution you actually came up with? So, so what we came up with was a dispenser. Um, that that gets fitted into spaza shops, right? And we 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 looked at uh, a, a lot of these things are surprises to me. They might not be surprises to other things, but you learn these little little lessons along the way. Almost every spaza shop shelving height is around thirty two centimeters. Okay, right? Pretty much standard. They don't c- communicate with each other. Maybe it's the guy that installs them. <laughs> Metal shelving generally very sturdy, which was great. Um, 32 centimeters. So we had to create a dispenser which could still be opened and, and refilled that fitted into a 32 centimeter height shelf, um, plugged into electricity, it, it connected to the internet. So, you know, Internet of Things, we use sensors inside of, inside of the machines. Uh, so what happens is you have a dispenser, you fill it up with plastic rice, for example, uh, and then the spousal shop owner is able to then dispense whatever amount is needed. So, so if a person come and say, I want a cup or I want two rand. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden, this person now can buy rice, a few beans, a bit of oil, um, some tomatoes, and from the 20 rand, they've got supper mm. that's worthwhile eating, so to speak, as opposed to just having rice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the... The, the other thing that we learned, and again, you, you get a scrappy prototype into market. You think, you know, you've got a bunch of smart people in the room. It gets discussed. It, it gets solutioned. And you build this physical prototype and you put it in. And some of your smartest ideas just don't work. You know, if we had a keypad where you could go, you could say, I want uh, 20 milliliters of oil, Right. Or I've got two rands, so I want two rands worth of oil. Or you can start stop. So so there's a lever at the bottom, and you just push the cup underneath until until it stops. N- none of them put in the amount of milliliters or milligrams that they needed. Nobody, and nobody chose the granular detail of how much they wanted. So the second version was just one rand, two rand, five rand. Start stop. Right. And often you'll find that the simpler the offering, the more the take-up because it's easier to engage with. 100%. Yeah. Bottom line is, how did that whole experience... So I can appreciate the value for the end user. I can appreciate the, uh, the value for the brand name itself because you can put their brand on the dispenser. And I appreciate the value for a company like Smallman because they're supplying everything all together. So how did it work in the end? 
So, so in terms of, um, you know, part of Smolin's offering is, is that they service these, they make sure that the quality is up, they, they make sure that the relationship with that, that spaza shop is, is good. And in actual fact, you're creating an, a wealth of data as well for Smolin and for, for the brands. Because currently, um, you don't, they're buying products from all over the place. That spaza owner is buying toilet paper off the back of a bucky that goes right. right. He's going to game or he's going to, um, macro or anywhere where there's a, a, a sale on and he's buying his products. The brand has no idea where those products are ending up. So there's very little visibility of, of sales inside Spaza shops. And this gives you granular detail data about every single purchase. Fantastic. Um, Tempe, we're really late for the ad break and Craig's in a little upset. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It is about 17 minutes to one and we've had the most fascinating chat to Templar Wales from a company called DYDX all about innovation in your business. How you can take what you're already supplying and listening to what the client needs, putting the two together and trying to find that synergy and coming up with different ideas. So we spoke um, at length about that, the, the, the work you did with Smolin where you supplied these dispensing machines Two spaza shops allowing a consumer to buy one rand, two rand or five rand of a particular item like oil, rice, stuff that there are staples that they use. And therefore their 20 rand note all of a sudden had a different nomination to it because they could buy what they needed for that meal instead of having to buy 17 rands worth of rice. And then the three rand was almost useless on its own until you could have put it together with another volume of money and go back and buy something else. There was something else you wanted to add on to that. Uh, yeah, just uh, there are always these surprising lessons and, and, and your, your end user and people in, involved often know a lot more than you do, have better insights than you do. So, so we created posters to, to create awareness of this, um, this machine. Uh, it's called Kualisa, which means fill up. It's a Zulu okay. word, which I, I learned as a kid when my dad was filling up with petrol, you know. Okay. So, so, you know, so that's, that's kind of a, a useful working title and it just stuck. It really worked well. So we created posters for the spaza shops and you can't do price fixing. So we couldn't tell people what price to charge. So we left a big white dot where they could write in the price, you know, thinking so much per gram, so much per milliliter and, uh, and we went back the next week, and they had written there from one rand. We said, but that's not a price. This is, this is, uh, y- y- you know, you've got to write the price in there. He says, no, that's what people want to do. They want to buy this from one rand, anything from one rand. And when we interviewed people, that's exactly the feedback we got. It's amazing. I can buy anything from one rand. And people didn't say, I'm being ripped off because I put two rand in and I've got so little. Yeah. Do they feel that they got the right volume for the money they're spending? It, it was, again, another surprise is that they didn't really care uh, rand per gram. It was affordable. So it's a difference between cost and affordability. So it doesn't matter what the price is because if it's cheaper but I can't afford it because I haven't got the money, it's of no value to me at all. If it's affordable, then I can see tangibly, all right, I'm going to get half a cup of rice. It's going to cost me two rand. And obviously within reason, if they sort of do the math and say, hold on, no, this is just doesn't work. But that, that is the most phenomenal um, example is that people really need um, serviceability. And if you take Uber, for example, I'm, I'm a late convert to Uber. I, I mean, growing up in Joburg, privileged in, in, in the areas that we are here now, uh, taking a taxi was just not part of my psyche. I just never did that type of thing. 
all of a sudden, once or twice, I've had to use Uber, and now I'm price sensitive. More than 36 rand is a lot of money yeah. to spend on Uber, but 36 rand is such a phenomenal service to push a button, walk out the front door, stop, get in, get delivered, radio on, radio off, aircon on, aircon is up to you. You control the, the environment. And you had to get delivered. And again, I think they had to charge 86 rand. If I needed the service, my mind said to me, is that value for what I need? And if it is, I will take it. Yeah. That is, okay. So you only worked in two townships initially. Yes. So the prototype was, the prototype was rolled out only in Timbisa. And Langa. No. So the prototype we didn't do in Langa. Okay. Yeah. Only. How long ago was that? Um, we're talking about two months ago. Okay, yeah, what's your recent. plans for the future with this? So, so our, our plans are, you know, to, to bring as many different products on board as possible. And only in sponsor shops? Look, I, I, <clears throat> um, I think it can work anywhere. The, the, the thing is that the middle class the, the, is already being addressed and uh, it's got less impact. So I think working from sponsor shops up to spas, to spas um, you know, I think spas are still uh, individually owned you know, they make their own decisions. They make their own ordering uh, decisions. So, so I think it would work well in in a sort of spa cafe kind of environment as well. Because I'm just thinking that I, for example, every time I go into a a, a shop connected to a garage, and I'm not talking about an ultra city, you know, a garage somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you will find a lot of items on the shelves are the smaller items. So it's the one roll of toilet paper. It is that rice. It is that. And that might be a market because people are, you know, if they have the convenience of going in there and knowing that they can spend their money more efficiently and therefore get out what they want, it, it might be a market to, to go to. Templar Times, not our friend today. So yeah. we, uh, and Craig's in his heart wagging his finger at me in about one minute and eight seconds. Let's quickly talk about your, in your, um, you know, your, your working with Vodacom. What did you guys do over there? Right. Um, so Vodacom is a very, very different case. Um, wh- what's interesting with what we do is, you know, sometimes it's product development and sometimes it's working what we call uh, future of work. It, it, we didn't come up with the term. That's the, the term for it. Um, but how do, you, how do new teams work? Diverse teams, dispersed teams, teams that are working from home remotely, um, global teams. So, so internationally, Vodafone moved to agile teams. Um, and that then filtered down into, into Vodacom here as well. And marketing then had to become, uh, you know, reform into, into agile teams. Uh, we have, we have a process which we developed with the, um, with the Dutch government, uh, which is called uh, Culture Canvas. And what, what that is, it, it, it's actually about the culture of the team working together, understanding each other, communicating effectively as it, instead of the technology that they use. That team will decide what tech to use. You know, a, a lot of transformation is really about the people and the culture um, more than the tech itself. So, so as Vodacom was, was adopting this agile way, they would then be able to work a lot faster, and they were concerned that their agencies that they work with weren't on the same page. Right? So how do they get, first of all, the major agency – um, Ogilvy, how do they make sure that they're working better together as a team? More transparency, more re- re- response—you know, shorter response times. So, we d- we did this culture canvas with them, and then it moved on. So we we helped to implement tools, we help, helped to implement processes of what does a brief look like? How do you know when a brief is ready? How do you know that a brief has been 
adopted internally and approved and has a budget and you know has has everything it needs before it goes to the agency but the agency already has transparency or they have sight of it it goes through to the agency uh it doesn't wait a week for the next status meeting they can respond immediately and say this is stuck please give me more information it goes back to to vodacom internally vodacom also uh can respond to that immediately it also gets escalated into a stuck report so that person doesn't sit with it on their desk or in their inbox for another two, three days. It immediately goes into a stock report. It gets addressed, you know, and, and you start to see patterns as well with, with these, um, these issues. And you're able to solve them with training or, um, you know, conversations. So how did you guys come into that? So, so what we did was we met with the teams. Um, we mapped out their current state of processes. So how do you, how do you work on different types of jobs above the line? Uh, full, uh, full, um, campaigns, social media, all the different types of, of communication briefs. And what are the different processes for that? Right. And, and then we mapped a future way of working as well. So then what do we need to change? And we work with them. We, you come in from outside already. It's quite difficult. You yes. need, you know, you need, you need to get by in. So, so we worked with the teams, we got feedback, we implemented that feedback, and we had, we had weekly experiments and saying, okay, cool, this is not working, let's try that. And for a week, people committed to trying it. If it worked, we carried on. If it didn't work, we tried something else. You know, so the, the, everybody was invested in helping to solve the problem as opposed to, again, us going away, telling them, coming back and telling them this is how you must do it, because that just doesn't work. So, so we mapped out these processes, and then we, we put some software in, which helps to to, to guide this, this um, process. Wow. And, and it's a simple, uh, project managers will know about Kanban. You know, it's columns that generally sticky notes get stuck in, and something's being worked on. Uh, it, it's not yet being worked on, it's being worked on, or it's complete. So it, we created this digital system uh, based on Kanban, so people could see exactly where projects were. And the long and short of it, how did it work? Um, so the, the, the initial go live, we achieved within three months. Wow. Not even knowing what the solution was going to be at the right. beginning of those three months. Um, so we're really kind of proud of the entire team with the speed that, that, that got rolled out. And the success that, that, um, garnered was then implemented into all of the agencies that they worked with. Wow. And then into all of the teams within, within the vertical marketing space. And now we're, we're moving it even further up into product so that marketing gets a view of products before they're briefed into marketing. So, so yeah, it's, it's organically grown. Um, and then, then as, as you dig deeper, you, you see, all right, we could do better um, with reviewing our work. So, so let's look at digital ways of reviewing work. So we've got online review tools and other tools that are then coming on board as well. So it's been, it's been massively successful, I think. And that's an amazing that client to have. So you've got two large clients that really you've been able to deliver different and innovative solutions by coming in, listening to what the client either wants to do or what the need is and also what the solution of the client is and all that. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, it's great to think, well, Vodacom's great, got great budgets. What do I do as a small business? Right. Okay. So, so, so automation is a big topic at the moment and, and very often small businesses think, well, it's not for me, right? I've got a little company, 10 people. And especially in a startup where you want to grow, your day is bogged down very often with tasks that are repetitive. Anything that you're doing that's repetitive and doesn't require you to think creatively can probably be automated, right? And there's no better way of freeing up your time 
than to stop doing those things that are repetitive. You as a human being are terrible at it because you keep doing the same thing. You often then start making mistakes. Correct. Whereas computers are exactly the opposite. So you create a robot which does that task, and the more often it does it, the better it does it. It doesn't get bored. It does it quicker than you. You know. So, so I think you know small businesses can really benefit from saying, "What are these tasks, and how do I how do I use technology? How do I use um, software and systems?" to take that away from me so I can think creatively, so I can spend more time with my customers, I can spend more time with my staff, and I can really grow my business rather than doing accounting, doing payments. Right? So part of these systems, you create a job, automatically it goes into your accounting system. When the agency gives you a quote, the CE goes into the accounting system. Mm-hmm. When the invoice arrives, it goes in, it matches the CE. It just says, do you approve this? Yes. And this is something that you as a guys as a company could put together as a package deal for a client. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, we're a tiny company, um, and, and this is what we've done for ourselves. We Fantastic. don't want to deal with paying, you know, paying all the invoices that come in um, one by one. So they all get automated. We've set up an email address. PDF goes, to, goes in as an email, gets stripped out, gets put in the system, and I get a notification that somebody wants to get paid. Okay. So Fair enough. Yeah. Pay them. Tim, how do guys get or How do people get hold of you? Um, our, our web address is dydx.digital. Right. Um, and pretty much anything, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, dydxdigital. Uh, will will if you search for that. There are other dydxs, there, there are also other geeky companies. Um, so if you look for dydxdigital. Great. So whether it's a large multinational listed company or a small business that just needs a bit of innovation, a bit of change, a bit of efficiencies, we, they, you're the person to get hold of. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for being around uh, on the show, and um, hopefully people will be in touch with you. Dina, thank you for putting it together. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week.